Hello and welcome to Spritz Personality. This is the second batch of episodes and hopefully we are welcoming back listeners from the first series and hopefully some new listeners as well. And most importantly, uh, welcome back my fiery little Mount Etna, Giovanni. Hello, Giovanni. How have you been doing this summer? I'm doing okay. Uh, and I'm glad that we've gone from food to geographical uh, phenomena. So now you'll have to find a, a new geographical phenomena each episode. Uh, I can't wait to hear what, what you'll be able to come up with. But Yeah, I thought I should challenge myself. Great. Uh, well, no, I'm, I've, been, I've been doing well. Uh, and I see you're in great shape. And the distance that geographical distance between us, uh, are we allowed to say, uh, is now slightly, has slightly um, expanded um, because we are, I'm still in Italy for the moment and you're in the UK. But uh, we are very connected psychosocially. Spiritually, emotionally, yes. philosophically, sociologically connected. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, physically? No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet, Bob, but maybe one day. Who knows? Who knows? Some, sometimes podcasts, the podcasts are the new, are the new, what used to be Turkish saunas. <laughs> uh, now is, now is a podcast. Okay. Uh, anyway, let's go into what's the topic. Uh, we, we, as as our listeners, I feel that with some good energy. So I think we might break the barrier of the twenty listeners today. What do you think? Well, fingers crossed. Yeah, I think we might crossed. break that barrier. I feel we're, I feel we're ready to break that barrier. Yeah, let's brace ourselves. So the idea for this um, bunch of episodes kind of leads on from what we did before, the first series or the first season or the first batch, depending on how you want to refer to it was based on the rules that I employ in my classroom. And then you came up with a, a very uh, good idea for how to develop that into this batch of episodes, which the, the idea develops from how important words are in those rules. And we even had to change the wording of one of my, my classroom rules to, to better fit our ideals. So this series, we're going to look at important words and the importance of words uh, to us primarily as we're the hosts, but also, uh, again, I would hope to get some involvement from listeners and, and find out what are the words that are meaningful, uh, helpful to them as well. I think you, you sent me an email with the, the the distillation of the idea, which I think explains it pretty well. So yeah. if you want to put it into, put it back into your words and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yes. Uh, well, obviously as teachers, we're fascinated with words, uh, we're as, as, uh, as, uh, would like to be philosopher. I'm interested in words, uh, and uh, psychologists and I like psychology, uh, are always interested in words and the transformative power of words mm -hmm. and words. Um, some, I think for all of us, some sentences become part of how we see the world. In other words, uh, again, I use the word word, but in other words, we are, 
wordy animals and and we all have from our teenage years onwards those who knows how many sentences that are part of of our background and legacy uh, it's it's i think we we can these can be from a song they can be from a from a from a from an author yeah. they can be i don't like too much the word quote because uh, it's used misused a little bit too much uh, people say listen to this quote uh, a very Oxonian person I know told me that you have to say quotation, in fact, mm -hmm. uh, because the verb is to quote, but you should say quote. This is a quotation. But everybody says quote now. But hey, listen to this quote. Uh, just do it. Well, just do it isn't a quote. It's just the slogan from Nike. So anyway, people get a quote is from a, from a longer text. So anyway, what I'm really interested in is simple example. I, I was at a pub with an Irish friend. Not you, actually. Uh, the only Irish many years ago many years ago many many years ago and I was very uh, annoyed because there was a girl uh, who was clearly not interested in continuing the conversation with me that we had started and uh, I was I was really a bad a bad a bad evening and he said with a characteristically Irish accent that I can't uh, imitate he said it doesn't matter uh, if you get uh, how many times you fall off the horse, as long as you get back onto it, which obviously uh, is a is a, pr a proverb or a saying that mm -hmm. that is quite common and quite common in the UK or in America as well. But I'd never actually encountered it because I was probably twenty five or twenty six. I never encountered this, 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 and I liked the image. Yeah. So it did it did stay it did stick with me. This guy isn't a philosopher, but his sentence. Uh, you know, I uh, had had some power on, on my psyche, and um, so the, the the context is fundamental. Okay, so yeah, I can write seven sure. really cool cool things on my T-shirt, uh, but if they if they don't really if they're not linked to an, to something about in my life, they, they're just meaningless. And just to mm -hmm. say one more philosophical thing, the the Stoics. If I'm not mistaken, but I have to, I, I, I can more or less vouch on this one because a, a colleague of mine, a teacher, told me this. In the Stoic world, these were called logoi, and they were these sentence, these important sentences, yes. mm, uh, were were sort of uh, in in interiorized by the disciple, and were were were, were um, you. It, you had to eat them. You had to chew them. You had to. You had. You had to really. They, perhaps they what in the in the. It's a bit like in the East, a koan. They, they had the the power of 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 fixing some kind of truth. Uh, and, and you know there are millions of, of of very famous ones, but for each of us there may be a different one. So what? Again, I try to. I'll try to be brief. But what we're trying to do here is think of one. Uh, reveal when who told us this sentence, where we read it, the context, why it had an impact mm -hmm. on us, and if uh, this sentence and the words in it, as you said, uh, are still meaningful for us uh, today. So we'll be yeah. doing that essentially in in each episode. I think that's that's our plan. But we never you never know where we're going to go. You know, and um, there will there has been a call uh, put out on our various social media platforms. Ah. Um, I've asked people to send us their own examples, give us as much information as they want about the, the context of it in their lives. And nice. I would hope that maybe towards the end of each episode, when we've discussed that what we wanted to talk about, we could pick a like a, a listener's quote and kind of chew that around a little bit. Um, Definitely. So, yeah, looking forward to a little bit more um, interaction. 
as our our listeners were great in the first series. So hopefully we can keep that going. So shall we jump in with uh, your what we call them in uh, yes words your words of wisdom. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, today I'm we're we're, we're talking about what. Uh, uh, so I'm the um, uh, the one who's bringing uh, to the table the sentence and its words uh, or the words of wisdom. You are uh, uh, interacting with me uh, on this one. And next mm-hmm. time it's your task to 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 think of one yeah. uh, or remember one. Uh, this happened very few days ago. Uh, I was uh, I'm in Florence now where my fam my family of origin live uh, so my mom is uh, my dad is a painter and my mom is a uh, i mean my dad was a teacher and now he t- he's 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 retired so he he has time to to, to paint mm-hmm. uh, basically uh, before he had less less time but he's always been a painter and my mom is a writer uh, of guides uh, but um, of art um, guides related to the history of art uh, and she um, is also p- passionate uh, with gardening. So I decide. I mean, I didn't decide. She told me, <laughs> I, "You have to help me in the garden." And and usually I don't like getting my hands uh, dirty. But in this occasion, I didn't want to do anything else, uh, like study or anything else. So I just thought, "Fine, let's do this." And while we were cutting uh, bamboo, uh, I was I was feeling very guilty because I um, I said I kept saying to her, "But why are we killing all these bamboos?" Uh, they're so you know nice uh, and uh, there's a, a patch in, in our garden with a lot of bamboos and I kept sort of worrying uh, as a millennial uh, why are we killing <laughs> why are we killing these bamboos and so my mom said to me nature is dis- quote nature is disorganized it needs help so obviously uh, my philosophical mind exploded mm-hmm. uh, positively because that is uh, an, an psychological mind uh, psychoanalytic even because uh, yeah I mean uh, that's very well put uh, what she was telling me c- concretely is that uh, there were there were basically too many so they, they, some of them were dying even already because it, clearly there wasn't enough light and and uh, I guess water I don't know actually if they need that much water but there wasn't enough space light and probably water for them to breathe mm-hmm. and they were also p- pissing off the, the, the other plants that were closer there near, near there so I realized that that was a very deep point from a, from an agricultural point of view, but it was also very deep from a philosophical point of view. Yeah. And then obviously we can talk about this for a long time, but I will repeat the quote once more, and maybe we, we can put it obviously in the show notes. Yes. Nature is disorganized. It needs help. Well, I mean, in terms of addressing then the questions, we know when you heard it, it was recently your mom told it to you. Why did it have an impact on you? We'll talk about why why it still does. I mean, I suppose it's so recent that those two questions roll into one. Did you like? Did you think when you heard it straight away that is something that uh, goes beyond like what we're currently doing? It could be applied on a more kind of macro level, or was it like later on in the day or the next day that you had a a moment of realization that oh, that thing my mom said is actually more broadly applicable? Well, both. I mean, it immediately seemed to me, it reminded me of, of, of various things, obviously uh, Jung, my, my, my obsession, uh, but it reminded me of, of my high school teacher, who was another, my, my, another one of my obsessions, 
Okay, so we are nature and uh, we are, again, I need to read the quote because it's disorganized. Yeah, so we are disorganized. So nature is disorganized. And I like that she used disorganized and not chaotic because the idea of nature being chaotic is, is somewhat of a cliche. Uh, but the idea of it being disorganized is a personification Mm -hmm. uh of or it's like imagining that nature is a person uh and uh i guess from a from a on, on if you look at it on the level of atoms and and uh even quantic matter yeah. uh, na nature is a bubbling of cha chaotic beautiful bubbling of chaos uh to the point that we can't even really say where that elect electron is or where that particle is mm -hmm. but still from all that bubbling chaos something very organized like a snowflake appears emerges but that that yeah. goes into a lot of science that i i find it difficult to to sort of really talk about in, in, a, in a meaningful way but i can i can see a more philosophical and practical and ethical relevance to that but maybe you 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 wanted to add well, something i mean when you sent me the quotation my first thought was is nature disorganized? Uh, because surely there's order. And my mind then did automatically go to the word chaos rather than thinking of organized and disorganized. I, I tried to, I automatically thought of order out of chaos. I mean, that's due to lots of sort of influences in my teenage years of music and films and things like that. But when I thought, is like, is nature disorganized? Like maybe nature and, and the path that things go on has an organization and in fact the act of pruning things for example that we as humans engage in is actually introducing disorder into the plan that nature has and like maybe we are the disruptive element in the natural order of things mm. but then i did go down that scientific route somewhat because it led me then to thinking of chaos theory mm. and as soon as I think of chaos theory, of course, I think of Jurassic Park mm. because um, that's when I was first introduced to the notion of chaos theory. Mm. If a droplet of water falls on your hand 10 times, it will go 10 different directions. Based yeah. On the, like, you know, the tiny uh, reactions in the skin and yeah. follicles and things like that. The chaos theory, though, I don't know if, I, I don't know loads about it, but um, have you heard of uh, Kaladni plates? Or you, you've probably seen videos on YouTube of people take metal filings and put them on a, a, a metal plate that's set above a, a speaker. Yeah. Play various frequencies. Yeah. The filings organize themselves into different patterns. Oh, wow. Based on the frequency. And I was kind of thinking, oh, that is like that's natural order. The frequencies. Mm. Um, denote different organized shapes and patterns yeah but actually there's some chaos in between mm. you know if you slide from one frequency to the next what yes. you get in the middle is yes. not organized so the organized moments yeah 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 are joined by chaotic transitions or well, disorganized Bob, transitions you might have just you might have just uh added a milestone uh to to quantum um, mechanics uh because uh, i i remember something very similar to that which was that the atom uh the, the electron uh jumps uh so, so that you have the you have a space where there's no electron and then the electron the, the famous quantum jump mm -hmm. 
quantic jump. I don't know if it's that's how what's it called in English. In Italian, it's called salto quantico. So the in quantum um, uh, physics, basically, yeah. you have these ju- you have this blurry area in the middle, and then oh. the the atom, the electron jumps. I'm sorry, I'm not a f- f- physicist, so it's very difficult to for me to understand it. But, but that's if you the look basic at the, level, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, but if the, if you look at the these sort of uh, like the X-ray, similar to the things you use when you're doing an X-ray, these mm-hmm. black things, you, you can see these light lines of light, and they're mm-hmm. they're separated by precisely the points where that substance mm, sort of separates into those. Uh, it sort of magically orders it magically orders itself in those in those sort of levels that you were speaking about, in, even in the frequency of the of the. I'd never. Th- made that connection but again i i'm i i'm 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 saying this to people who who obviously are able to to understand these things better and can can look them up but there is a natural intrinsic sense of order uh which as you 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 as you were saying is amazing in nature there is that natural level of order i mean if there wasn't that natural element of order nature would just you know like we would start floating in the air like randomly for no reason so the, 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 there is a re- everything. The, the reason why that ball takes an hour to fall from the, the rocket onto the ground uh, and not seven seconds is 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 all. I mean, the, the, that's why we have laws of nature. We have uh, regularities. But in the human world, we we add another element, as you said, that probably is a, is a disruptive one. Uh, that was a, a point that I was pondering when you when you said that. Yeah, there's a um, field of city planning, city design, and I was reading about a thing called the Ecopolis because I started thinking about the envi- our environment is disorganized. There's this idea of city planning where nature, like you said about the, the you know natural order of things, we can we impose ourselves on a natural space to build a, a settlement, a city, and that city will naturally expand as people mm-hmm. are attracted to move and live there yeah uh, so we we establish ourselves kind of in a natural space and then move out from it and sometimes those spaces end up being abandoned as we move to what we see as a, a better better place to live uh-huh, uh-huh those abandoned spaces always end up being overgrown by nature you know the tree roots, oh yeah even, yeah yeah that's amazing on the footpath the tree roots will that's incredible. And disrupt the the tarmac surface of the the footpath. So even while we live there, nature, the the natural forces is kind of pushing back against our unnatural yep. imposition on it. Yeah. So this yep. this yep. field of city planning um, and this that's amazing. I think it's a book. Ecopolis is about the the notion of trying to come to trying to design living places that are part of nature. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen because it's it seems like you would need a complete paradigm shift in people's minds that we would kind of have to take a leap forward to adapting our expectations of of the technology that we deserve to live with, mm. but finding a way to integrate that into nature. So, you know, having a roof garden is great, but it's not enough. Mm. And the people that talk about that idea talk about fractals. Ah, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. It connects with your, what you were saying there about the, you know, the patterns in nature. Yeah. So the fractal, the fractal node would be the the city, the the place that you live. So uh-huh. take Ferrara, for example. Yeah. Ferrara for Ferrara to be a proper 
Ecopolis node, it would need to have everything that's required of a, a place to live. You know, there should be um, education and water catching and green space and all these other things. Mm. And that node would connect to other fractal nodes. And if all of the places have all of the same boxes ticked, yeah, and the complete living environment does fit in with the natural environment. Mm. The problem is trying to convince people to invest money in that, I suppose. Yes. It, it's, it's a complete shift. It's not just as simple as I've built a tar block and I've put some greenery growing up the sides of it to give, mm. you know, to give air back to the environment. Like yeah, that's good, yeah. But that's not everything. Yeah, yeah. I Maybe on Mars, uh, they could do that because on, on the Earth, we're too, uh, we have this older sort of, uh, colonialist we colonize the world uh, you know we use yeah. the world uh to our um, to our ends and it's probably t- maybe it's a good moment to 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 say something about our human nature it's time so, to get it's, psychological it's time and to get it's time to get a little bit, it's time to get a little bit psychological so maybe we should have a trigger warning trigger <laughs> warning <laughs> young if you don't like psychology, look away now. <laughs> look away now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, no, but... it's time to do that. I actually, um, I kind of broke this down into three different areas when I was thinking about about it. So I started with nature's disorganized chaos theory, then the environment globally is disorganized, and my my third sort of field of thought around this was that we are disorganized we yeah people are disorganized so yeah i think that's crying out for some psychological input from uh the published Jungian philosopher giovanni colicicchi ma uh i can't translate that in english ma but i think you understand from the tone that i'm a bit skeptical <laughs> of, 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 of skeptical of the fact your book is published no, no, that is that. Uh, I, that is not something that. I, although I do occasionally, occasionally, very rarely see some books in libraries, and having looked at them, I feel that okay, pro- possibly being published is not such a big deal as I thought because there's a bit of shit uh, around the place. But I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not talking about you know, obviously Dostoevsky and these other ones that they're. they're they're very good writers, and there's, they are some excellent scholars all around the world. But occasionally, I see some books that seem to me rather, rather less amazing, and so I feel it's good for my sense of. I I, I obviously think mine is one of them, and so uh, there's nothing to be so proud about. But anyway, let's uh, let's go into the psychological. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so nature. Is and I'll I'll go with a quote so that that will help me. A quotation. Quotation. As Jung wrote to some Mrs. N, we or this is in the collective uh, collected letters in uh, 1940. Uh, Nature is an incomparable guide if you know how to follow her. She is like the needle of the compass pointing to the north, which is most useful when you have a good man-made ship and when you know how to navigate the unconscious and Jung always thought that the unconscious was a natural phenomena 
phenomenon. The unconscious is useless without the human mind. And here he's considering the human mind as culture, essentially. It always seeks its collective purposes and never your individual destiny. Your destiny is the result of the collaboration between the conscious and the unconscious. This is obviously key Jungian idea, if not the key Jungian idea, that we have to have a balance between the unconscious and, and the conscious mind. Mm -hmm. And nature, he sees it clearly on the side of the unconscious mind. Uh, it's not an incredibly original idea. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, uh, f from the Greeks, you already have this notion that we have to, you know, learn about how to deal with our emotions, yeah. not be over, no, not be overwhelmed by our emotions, mm -hmm. but not even completely eliminate them. Some philosophers try to completely eliminate them, yeah. uh, but essentially, we have to deal with this uh, area, which is the ir the irrational, if you like. Yeah. And so, by doing so, I'm not completely going wherever my emotions tell me, uh, but I'm not even going um, just following reason, just following the civilized mind. Uh, the, the famous shadow in Jung represents the, the, the sort of exciting, dark, mm -hmm. but also necessary trickster that exists in all in every one of us you know the rude joke the yeah. the unpleasant uh, uh i don't know oh. burp i i thought or or just burp that that can occasionally erupt uh, after a meal and you everybody laughs or whatever and and you know without that we'd be incredibly stiff incredibly mm -hmm. stifled incredibly neurotic that's why freud is so important because he he sort of he tackles the Victorian problem, which is the the repression of all the of all the the, the sex sexual and of all the uh, hatred that was completely ignored by by them. And and Junger takes it from there essentially. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's my little uh, uh, that's my little again to go back to my mum's quote my mum's uh, quotation. Uh, nature is disorganized, it needs help. So, we, we, okay, so basically, okay, a very basic example. I hope this is okay for our listeners. If, if you're under 18, uh, don't uh, listen anymore. But clearly, if you're interested in someone uh, and you want to have establish a relationship with this person, you have to use certain cultural norms in order to date this person and maybe eventually even do something physical with this person uh, go clearly a go for a walk uh, have a drink have a talk know if, if there's some compatible uh, compatibility so if obviously okay nature want is using those cultural functions because it wants your genes essentially if you follow dawkins the genes mm -hmm. i they just want to reproduce so the genes just want to have the possibility of reproducing but obviously, if you only follow your genes, then you might find yourself with too many kids uh, and, and unable to, to provide for them and yeah. possibly for, for more than one for, for, from more than one partner. Mm -hmm. And again, that would could be a very emotionally and economically problematic. So you have to help nature get where it wants to, in a sense, by pruning certain excesses uh, you know or or if the party is a techno disco 
crazy party then fine but even that is a cultural is even that is a cultural norm yeah. so i can't do the techno disco just out of nowhere if i yeah, go to sure. the tech if i go if i go there with a jacket and a tie then i'm i look like an idiot mm -hmm. so i can't go to the techno party with a tie on on a side note i don't think you've ever sounded more european than when you said techno party disco <laughs> I don't know. I just said something that I don't even. I've I've seen the one. Party disco. I've been to. I sounded like a German German person. Yeah. Uh, no, I've been I've been to one techno party uh, disco, and I was um, not particularly impressed. Uh, I didn't like it very much. Yeah, but anyway, that's the, that does. I mean, it does kind of go back to the idea of the fractal node. If you're talking about societal norms. If you're trying to um, fulfill this cellular impulse to reproduce, the techno disco has its own um, expectations of the people who attend it, but it's it's simply another social gathering within the culture. So that node, that fractal is reflected in the country and Western line dancing party that people might go to to meet like-minded, you know, the both spaces allow that social interaction and both spaces have their own expectations of how you would look and behave in those settings, even though both settings are to facilitate this impulse to, to couple up uh, and, and find a, a partner, whether it's to have progeny or just find a partner. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think with Dawkins, you do need to be slightly careful that what you were saying was right you know you do have to prune if you accept that that impulse is a driving force and i don't know that it's i don't know that he is universally agreed with but if you accept that that impulse is the driving force for straight people because his notion of the impulse does kind of disregard people who aren't straight and want to have kids in that like sort of traditional sense yeah you can you can be in a relationship that is not your traditional straight and want to have want to raise children but you know that's that's a whole probably a whole other series of podcasts but if you accept that what he's saying is is correct we do need to we prune the impulse because we do recognize that we are not lions on the savannah driven purely exactly. by the desire to have as many offspring as possible and also part of the reason that the lions on the savannah have to do it is because the nature red and tooth and claw will yeah. will kill off. You know, I don't know what the percentage is, but lots of those little lion cubs will die. Will so they need to do so they they need to, to make lots. sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we Dawkins, are not those. No, absolutely. And 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 I mean every culture has has the has different approaches on that. I mean Dawkins even does make a little joke in the selfish gene at some point he says you know we've been able to do this incredible thing which is you know the the genes <clears throat> the genes want something the genes want something but we uh, want different things so we we don't have to want what they want so he's cuz he's been misunderstood as as a mechanic mechanic mechanistic view where we're sort of the, the, he he uses expressions like we're the robots uh, inhabit. We're a robot inhabited by genes, but he actually says very clearly at the end. Uh, you know, I believe that a lot of things like morality, culture, 
you know, we, 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 we are unique in that sense. Mm-hmm. And he also makes a joke about condoms and says uh, it, he could have made it about uh, the pill, but by, by making it on condoms, it's slightly more effective as, as a humoristic, from a humoristic point of view. He says, you know, as humans, obviously we can use a condom, which are an incredibly uh, revolutionary thing that, that are very extremely easy to to, to, to use to to block the pot if we don't want to reproduce and then he makes a tiny little little side thing says well relatively easy yeah. <laughs> uh, which which I mean I, I I understand what he's talking about not in the sense that he's talking that it's difficult to put on a condom uh, but in the sense because they're they're physically difficult to actually put on but in the sense that it's 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 your your you in that moment, You'd rather you'd you'd rather not, uh, you know, sort of get right. up, yeah. get up, and not just get up and and find a condom, but even you know, be uh, stop the flow. You know, the natural <laughs> yeah. the yeah. natural flow is is to not do that. But we've we've found this incredibly clever thing, which is the pill and other methods and the condom, which are ways to basically trick nature because you're fulfilling mm-hmm. all the impulses that nature is giving you. Uh, you're fulfilling, you know, you're next, to, you're with this person, you're doing, you're having sex, you've got, it's just that you're, you found a trick, because, because for, for a cultural reason, you prefer, for whatever reason, not to, to have seven kids, or, or not to have three, or not to have two, or not to have even one in some cases, so there's nothing wrong with that, but I mean, the, the genes, we know what the genes want, the genes just would want to, you know, in, until a man is 70, you know, keep on reproducing, you know, just keep adding kids to the world, which is yeah. obviously not something that our culture, we could have a culture like that, but it's just not how we've, we've realized it's probably not, you know, a man of 70 probably doesn't even want to run around having, you know, he wants to just sit down and read the paper. So, but, you know, if it's, it, but in terms of I mean, just, I the, want to sit around and read the paper. Yes. Yeah. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine a man of 70. So yeah, let alone. So yeah, I, I didn't want to go on a long thing on condoms, but I wanted to say that, it's a, another example of a way that we can organize nature. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I, I'm not a sexuolog- sexologist, so don't take my words as, you know, talk to experts about these things. But from a philosophical, psychological point of view, um, I mean, and even a fork is a way to organize nature because we, we see spaghetti in the plate and we could grab the spaghetti and just eat them. But, but it's less... I don't know. It's nicer if you use a fork. It's yeah, it's, got... it's kind of like um, prioritizing our pleasure, our enjoyment over that that natural impulse. You know, you could you could grab the food with your hand and eat it, but you know, we're demonstrating that we are not the beasts of the plains. We have a little bit more civilization. Yes. Although civilization is a troubling notion when mm. you when we have so recently talked about the Victorians and Freud, I think yes. the um, contradiction between the way they present themselves as repressing emotions and, you know, being very matter of fact, mm. very, trying to be very scientific about things, but at the same time, the horrors of colonization and the, the rationale, the, the rationalizing of that by saying that the people that were being colonized were not savages, you know, savages, they're not humans yeah. like us, they're savages, they're beasts. I think a lot of what you were saying about Freud trying to disentangle them. I think everybody has some degree of disorganization in their in their heads. You know, 
but everybody could do with some degree of therapy uh, in whatever sense, you know, no matter how trained or untrained the person you speak to is. We all have a, an amount of stuff that we could do with some help with that. Oh, yes. That, you know, that definitely denotes that we are above being driven solely by that genetic impulse. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, we're above that. It brings a whole host of mess with it as well that we have to try to prune back. But also, uh, 100 simultaneous thoughts. Yeah. 75 of them could be pretty horrific. Yeah, but that's, you know. but dangerous people are, are, the, are the best people. Uh, the, as, uh, uh, no, God, no, that I, this I'm quoting this from Jordan Peterson, which I'm not an absolute fan of, uh, in, but he takes it obviously from Jung, which is one of his masters. But Jordan Peterson says, my best friends, are all dangerous people, people that I know are capable of, of cruel and very um, strong things, but I, they keep them in check. I don't want to be the friends of somebody who doesn't do things just because the law forbids it or custom forbids it. You have to be able to give law, uh, give law to yourself, which is that is obviously the, the Nietzschean origin of a lot of Jung, Jung's ideas as well, but it, comes, mm. it goes back hundreds of years thousands of years i mean you have to this this notion of being able to give a law to yourself but when you were talking about how we all have that sort of uh, natural chaos uh, in our head and millions of thoughts and possibilities and temptations and all the possible things and you know even even wanting to steal a wallet uh, out of nowhere you know it's sometimes people have these thoughts like mm -hmm. you know I, I i i would like to steal the wallet but the 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 other thing I was thinking at the same time was how incredible it how incredibly good it is that we are also natural because that can save our lives because literally if a guy because I, I can see a door there I don't know if that is that a door something yeah. there seems to be a Over door my there shoulder. Yeah. so if a guy jumps into that door with a knife you would absolutely be able to kill him and you if if you were stronger and quicker than him you would. And, and I'm glad that that is the case because and even if you haven't studied martial arts, you would fight for your life. And this idiot yeah. who just, this, and that's because you have an animal. And even if you, if you, for 10 years, you haven't, well, you, you, you play tennis because you play tennis with me. But mm -hmm. I, I know that if for 10 years you haven't done any physical sport, it doesn't matter. You still are an ape. A, a fam we belong to the family of the apes. So we yeah. know how to hit someone and kill someone. And it's good in that sense because if somebody does want to kill us, we can defend ourselves. Yeah. And we have this amazing sort of natural sense. You know, if a huge wave hits us, we sort of somehow know how to survive under this huge wave. I don't know. We got these natural instincts that only few people experiment. If maybe soldiers or people who go in extreme countries in Canada or I don't know where. But actually, we all have them. Uh, and very rarely, very occasionally they uh, erupt you can't tame everything of a human being no and i mean much as i dislike a lot of what jordan peterson says if you accept that he's taken it from greater minds i can go with the thought um that idea of having friends that are dangerous i was thinking last night about how actually in some cases the the chaos is is an attractive thing to us in in some circumstances when you think about like important political or you know social upheaval that results in positive political change or even in terms of music like punk rock disrupts everything that's come before it 
when grunge comes along, it disrupts everything that, that went before it and is the antithesis of, of everything that went before. Even the even this explosion of podcasts, you know, and the, this idea that we are sidestepping the gatekeepers of radio and television in some like mass rebellious movement. I mean, the reality when you look back, because I was because I'm so um, obsessed with fractals now, because I've read so much about it. When you when you look back on it, what happens is the the chaos comes along and it's attractive, like the mm. dangerous person. I also think that's why I like the comedians that I like, and I mm. my personality is a more of a shadow dweller in a Jungian mm. sense. I'm way more shadow than light, so all of the the danger is attractive. But thinking in terms of punk rock, thinking in terms of music, those chaotic things happen and they're attractive and they draw people to them. But then corporate structures recognize that mm. chaotic moment is attractive to people. And mm. so structures are imposed and ways to monetize it are developed. And then it becomes the norm that the next thing has to disrupt, which is exactly what's going to happen with or is happening with our, you know, podcast revolution. You can, independent podcasters can now monetize what we do. You you need to gain followers. How do you do that through the established social media structures? If you don't gain enough followers, if you don't play the game. You you sell your soul. Yeah. Sell your soul. So and the, from what you're saying, I can understand that you already have. You have <laughs> been... Mean, a, there's you have been in secret sales. talks. You have been in secret talks. There's with, my, plenty more of with my Apple. You've been in secret talks with Zuckerberg and Apple, and you haven't told me yet. <laughs> You're going to sell me to the enemy. Yeah, yeah, that is the secret plan. But do you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. the explosion happens and it's fun and it draws you to it. I mean, and even in a kind of visceral sense, speaking of those moments as explosions, cultural explosions, you know, everybody's drawn to fireworks. The, yeah, the explosion is attractive. The potential, the controlled chaos. Yeah, the fireworks display. Yeah, that's a good, a good um, analogy. You know, and just speaking of comedians, because I always have to. Um, I was watching a a, a female comedian. I can't remember her name now. G eight something, and she was talking about going on tour with this guy. I liked Bobby Lee. Okay, she was talking about the chaos that surrounds Bobby. She was his opening act. Okay. And she was talking about in certain theaters, he would just always do something to disrupt her. So when her name was announced, you know, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome G. Yeah. And the audience are applauding. He would grab yeah. her belt and not let her go. Wow. Or um, say ostensibly hurtful things to her about her appearance. Wow. Um, but she was then in this interview, she was saying that the chaos that, that Bobby created for her in that tour. Yeah when she looks back on it, it's actually trained her for being able to land on her feet in any situation now. Amazing. So like Amazing. good comes out of the chaos and he was clearly doing those disruptive things on purpose because he wanted her to, you know, grow that thicker skin to be able That's to land brilliant. on her feet. So that the out of the chaos comes good and some sense of order. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's I'm I'm I I know I I like theater a lot, and I I know that uh, some very good act. Well, I know that a very famous Italian act, stage actor playing uh, Richard III once his his huge um, gown got stuck in a 
in a microphone sort of loudspeaker or whatever it was on the side or somewhere backstage. So he walked on stage and then realized that the gown was stuck in the in the in the loudspeaker. Yeah. So he had to tear the gown. He had to move around, mm-hmm. uh, sort of twirl, spin around and tear the gown, you know, with with all the strength that he had to be able to set himself free. And then he could say, now the winter of our discontent uh, in Italian, unfortunately, but it's still still powerful. And, uh, you know, the, cl- the crowd was delirious because, yeah. you know, he, he did it, it. He had all that energy, that real, real energy. It, it mm-hmm. made it more real, much less fake. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he'd had this real uh, mishap. Uh, so the thing about live performance, you know, when you, I think when you enjoy it most is when you get a sense that anything could go wrong. Yeah. Or they steer the ship right to go back to Young's analogy. Yeah. You know, when you go to see a band, if they can steer all of that musical chaos through the potential, the, the sea of potential mistakes, to create a wonderful metaphor, they steer their musical ship through a sea of potential mistakes. If you get to the end and nothing's gone wrong, it's incredible. And you're you're in, you've been in a, a incredible moments with comedians or the play like you just talked about yeah you know when something happens that is unexpected when a comedian deals with a heckler that yeah heckler isn't that every show so you know that the moment you're experiencing isn't yeah. going to be replicated that's it's, and that's the best special. thing i i had to give a little speech once at essex uh where i was doing my phd and i was i'd pre- i'd prepared two weeks i'd never given a speech uh, you know sort of british style speech proper speech so I prepared, I had these cards, you know, with a carefully prepared, like little three facts and then a joke. My mm-hmm. cousin had come to hear me speak, etc. So I went there in this sort of rather fancy foyer sort of restaurant place in, in the university where there were these, like, it was like a funding event thing. And then I, I, I sort of started, you know, reading, blah, blah. And everybody was sitting down, you know, listening and sort of, ha, 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 little laugh and but not mm-hmm. like it was all very uh, fake and then yeah. I, I i said something about my upbringing and i said uh you know when i was young at school we had to study greek and latin uh, so you can imagine you know and then i from there blah 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 and um i heard someone in the back of the of the room sort of uh, say something like uh Oh, uh, you know, like he had to, when I said that I had to study Greek and Latin, this guy had a reaction. Okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the polite laughter, you know, that you, and so I stopped reading my cards and I said, no, yeah, really. Like I said, you know, we really had to, you know, I, I really yeah. answered it and the whole room exploded in laughter. It hadn't been prepared. It wasn't in, no, it was just me reacting. Yeah. It was just me being me. That, there was like no intention of creating a proper joke out of that. Yeah, I just all... I just wanted to convince the guy that it was a real thing. Yeah, really. I said, yeah, really. Yeah. And then everybody, they've all, thought, everybody people, thought they've all heard people read a speech before. Yeah, and that's like a boring yeah. thing to do. And, then and that you, was just hilarious. Out of it just by that thing. Yeah, it just it, that. Yeah, it it's so much more than just sitting listening to a speech. Yeah, exactly. And they lo- lo- loved that moment. I mean, it mm. wasn't a particularly funny joke. I mean, it wasn't an incredibly yeah. clever pun no. or anything. It was just gave a sense of authenticity. Uh-huh. 
sure. uh, my friends always tell me that I'm funny when I don't want to be funny. I mean, yeah. the, when I try to make a joke, it's usually sh quite shit. Uh, but when I'm no, just... I would agree with that, yeah. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so uh, I, will, I will stop preparing these podcast episodes and carefully crafting every word. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll just, as Actually, they say, be yourself. Remember, be yourself. Yeah, That's be a quote yourself, yeah. that I will, would like to eliminate from the universe. Be yourself. I mean, what does that what does mean? That mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Because what I was just about to say um, would tie in with that question. What does that mean? Very nicely, I think. I mean, be yourself. What I know of Jung, if you are yourself, you are a multitude of things. You can't. There is no one self to be. Correct. My, yes. My understanding Jung that is correctly. that is yeah. uh, very good. Uh, nothing to correct. So I think. That actually might be why music is such a is such an important thing. Probably most of my quotations, most of my important words come from songs that I loved in my formative years. And it just uh -huh. occurred to me as we were talking there, if we if we accept Jung's idea that we are, you know, a multitude, that there's this that there is a, a chaos, there is a disorganization in our in our heads then like music is a is a a song is an organized version of that disorganization in our heads you distill an idea and turn it into a song that can connect with people all over the world who understand the emotion that you're talking about or the point of view that you're expressing and that song when you hear it years later can take you straight back to the yeah. place the the state of mind when you heard it and it can help you realize that you've advanced from that state of mind which is something to celebrate or you have you know you're still in that same place but I think oh yes it's probably i mean i suppose painters do that as well try to distill a, an emotion or a collection of emotions onto a canvas but music is the most portable version of that art of that thing of, of taking the chaos in your head and picking through it to find oh, yes. a coherent like song. And the rules there are. I mean, the composer Baden Boyne uh, wrote a, a little book that I read uh, some years ago, and actually, and he was talking about that. How many when you're listening to Mozart or Beethoven, you just think, ah, that's a nice tune, you know, da -da 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 -da, lovely mm -hmm. tune. But the amount of rules that they're following every beat. It's incredible. Yeah. They, they, they've invented a melody, but mm -hmm. to develop that melody, you know, the, you know, as in rock, I mean, you know, you have the bridge, you have the tune, you have the melody, mm -hmm. you have all those things. And it, it sounds like a slightly chaotic and beautiful event, but the, act, the, the great composers of the past and of the present have to follow so many rules and you have to study them at, you know, at school to know how to create a symphony. It's not that yeah. I can come up, come up and create a symphony. I can think of a little tune Mm -hmm. But I can't to make it into a symphony. I have to be able to do the introduction of the theme. Then I have to know how when the piano goes in. Well, well oh yeah, sorry, no yeah. piano in a symphony. But anyway, when everything goes in, uh, it's insane. These these guys, how they could put together the chaos in their heads, as you very well uh, said, and the, the the amount of technical knowledge that's required to actually make it sound so good mm -hmm. in, in in your head. It's it's a very difficult form of art. I think writing is. Obviously, you have to follow the rules of grammar, but personally, I, 
I, and, and there are some rules of writing that I, some of them, which I've heard of and some I haven't, but I mean, you know, like not, don't use too many adverbs and whatever, but mm -hmm. in general, there aren't so many rules as in music or painting uh, that, that have to be followed, which is lucky because I like, I like writing. But if, if I had to be a musician, I'd, I'd probably, you know, I'd give up because there's so many uh, technical aspects that you have to know, you know, you, mm -hmm. it's incredible. And the popularity of music also, like, you can't you can't read passively. You can listen to a beautiful piece of music passively. Mm. Like we don't we don't really have to bring anything to it. Mm. And yet, while you listen to it, it, it will it will make you give something to it because mm. the mm. reaction that you have to it, yeah, the the connection that you make to it is is something that you that kind of happens naturally. Whereas yeah, for yeah. a book, you've got to read the story, you've got to follow the narrative, yes. make connections with that. That's true. In music, you can press play and lie back and say, that's true. Realize, that's true. Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and that's it, true. It reawakens all these feelings or it takes me back or it makes me hopeful or whatever. But it's a passive, like it's a passive connection, I think which is good it, for us as lazy people. Yeah, and I think art is. Uh, uh, and now I can go uh, very briefly to my Italian teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, art is uh, effectively all about trying to connect nature and culture uh, and trying to cultivate nature. Uh, so, you know, even gardening is an art, uh, but uh, even, you know, d dating, if you like, is an art. Mm -hmm. uh, cooking is an art. Painting obviously is an art. You, you're using natural elements, natural uh, pigments, uh, of, mm -hmm. you know, colors and uh, things that you you. But 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 then you have to give them structure, give them order. Uh, conversation is an art. You yeah, know, you're, yeah. You're taking your natural thoughts and corralling them into a, a form that makes sense and adhering to like rules of listening, taking in information, processing a, a response, agreeing, disagreeing, adding to it for you know, there are there are rules to expressing the the natural things that are going on in your head. And we've all we've all had students and also friends, but let's talk about students. Uh students who are you can tell are naturally good mm -hmm. at picking up something. As soon as you correct them, they say, Oh yeah. And, you know, and then they go back to what they were saying, but in a new way, you know, they know yeah. how to. And then you've got other students who just, you know, you correct them on something and they completely, they, they, they're, they're blocked. You know, they yeah. they don't know what, they, 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 all they could say was that. So once yeah. they've said that, they're just, they, they're paralyzed, you know. And it's one of the main skills, I think, we have to teach at school, at, at all levels of school, even the university, is to, to how to debate, how to agree, disagree, interact. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other skills that you mentioned, but I think uh, I, I I'm also feeling that we should go maybe a, a little bit back to the nature in the sense of green. Yeah. Uh, because when my mom, who loves uh, the natural world, said said uh, I need the exact nature quote. Nature is disorganized. It needs help. Yeah. Well, nature is disorganized. Let's focus on the other bit. It needs help. So now uh, I think we've all been reading recently what the world, uh, what is it exactly? I can't remember the name of the organization, but the one, probably the biggest organization, probably UN, uh, said this, a group of scientists very recently said that 
uh, we've already gone past the point of no return uh, in terms of glo global warming. There's nothing uh, much that we can do except sort of repair a bit of the damage, but it's already late. It's already too late. And it was a shocking uh, report that came out on all the main newspapers. Yeah. So how can we, uh, it's not a way to finish on a positive note, but what can we, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, you were talking about these futuristic ecological cities, which I loved, but I'm so, I'm beginning to become so pessimistic i don't know uh well i mean if the i mean i don't i don't know if it's if calling it a movement under sales sells them i've heard of the idea of trying to plan cities that are that are more green living spaces i mean i'm aware of the the drive for that but i'm only aware of it through seeing buildings that have have put greenery on the exteriors you know yeah. gardens like those those little things that make some difference but not enough yeah. When you look at the the city or the the village as a whole. Yeah. It's like like those planners say, every every living node needs to contain everything that's required for true green living. Mm. I mm. think it will be hard to convince people, but maybe the hope is the hope comes from the the young people now who I mean must be disgusted at how much we have mm. ignored the warnings that have been there for the last 30 years. Yeah, yeah. You know, drastic measures need to be taken. Maybe we have been so irresponsible. Yeah. Have no choice but to make those drastic measures. Mm, that's true. Cars that's are true. becoming more accepted now. There yeah. are charging posts. They don't all work as they yes. should. Yes. But, you know, there are more charging posts going up. More reputable car companies are making electric cars. Yes, yes. At the minute, they're still more expensive than the petrol equivalent. But I think mm. I think I heard or read maybe in five to ten years, it's expected that the price point will come down to match petrol cars. Good, good. But those are good things. But, you know, those young people who are going to have to radically redesign the living spaces that we have because we've used up so much of the, the natural environment. I mean, maybe in somewhere like... America, where there's huge undeveloped space in the middle of mm. the country. Yes. That's not the case in England, for example. Mm. So somewhere, the, the context, as we spoke about earlier, the context of the words matters about whether, what, why they become important to you. The context of the living space that we're talking about or the city that you're talking about matters. America mm. has a lot of unused land. Yeah, that's good. Say. That's good. England doesn't. So the solution in England has to be different because mm. you can't simply abandon the place you were, let nature reclaim it and move somewhere else. You have to top down, redesign where mm. you already are. That's where the, the difficulty, I think, comes in trying to, like, how do you turn London, an established, a long established city, into yeah. a truly green city? Yeah, exactly. You know, you've already done away with so much greenery mm. to establish the skyscrapers yeah. and the tower blocks. How yeah. do you bring that back in a truly sustainable way? It's a massive field. I don't know. I don't know how long it takes to do it, but it, it's certainly not going to be a quick fix, which no. isn't positive. But, you know, the, the positive has to be that the next generation try and find some way to fix the fuck ups that we have yeah. allowed to happen, that we have participated in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we support them in doing that through being 
wonderful nurturing teachers oh yeah exactly that's my excuse whenever i'm shit a shit person i always say oh but i can you know i've taught my students to do these really cool things and they'll they'll (laughs) solve i always i seriously think that quite often like i seriously think of that quite frequently i think i've been rather shit today or whatever but tomorrow you know i'll teach some students some stuff and they'll use it for Mm -hmm thing in the future and so i can always feel that it's not really my responsibility to do anything except keep on teaching these kids exactly i i like it's one of the good reasons why i like this this job um to bring it way to to hopefully have the perfect circle yeah 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 right back to something you said at the very start where your irish friend said about falling off the horse yeah um that saying, I'm sure I've heard it before, but it didn't have any resonance with me until it was in one of Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. Uh, Alfred the butler had been saying to Bruce throughout his entire life, what do we do when we fall off the horse, Master Bruce? Mm. That's the, the, the quotation from your friend. Yeah. It was only when I heard it in the film that I thought, oh yeah, that is an important that's an important approach to have to life. But then to make a connection with Batman, uh, thinking about Batman and the Joker and connecting that to what your mom said in the garden. Yeah. Batman and the Joker. I, I can't remember which graphic novel it is. It might be The Killing Joke. It might be Frank Miller's year, Dark Knight. Or Ark- sure. Arkham Asylum. No, Arkham I don't think Asylum. it was in Arkham Asylum. Okay. But one of them anyway, the Joker, the Joker says to Batman that, you know, you need me, we need each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Joker is this agent of chaos. Yeah. And, you know, Batman is the, the order to, to order that, the chaos, or, to, yeah. to organize the disorganized. They need each other. The Joker isn't pushed to come up with his crazy schemes, each one crazier than the last, unless Batman continually attempts to thwart him. And Batman yeah. doesn't need to be more alert and get stronger and be better unless the Joker is coming up with more and more crazy notions. Exactly, exactly. Your your mum's assessment of the situation is absolutely correct. We do need to help. We we need to try to corral the chaos, but we need to accept that the chaos, the disorganization needs to be there. And and in fact, and in fact, when I was all getting all weepy about cutting these these um, uh, bamboos, she kept saying, oh, but they'll grow, you know, they'll grow again. Because yeah. I wasn't cutting them from the roots. I was just pruning them, you mm-hmm. know. So she mm-hmm. said, you know, doesn't matter. Don't be, don't worry. They'll, they'll come back, you know. Stop crying, so, Giovanni. They will grow exactly, back. Exactly, exactly. So as I said earlier, we put the call out to ask for listeners to submit um, aphorisms, quotations, some words that they find uh, useful and, and if they want to tell us why, that's fine. But we would encourage people to participate and we'll have a little chat about what we think about the the submissions from listeners. So this we got from a very supportive listener, Paul, who said that an important quote to him was if you will it, it is no dream. And uh, it was said by John Lennon, which I think is, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but it, it is an important thing to remember. It's also... And you repeat it w- just once more? 
if you will it, it yes. is no dream. So sorry, I'm just very very basic, maybe for, because of my English. But the basic meaning is that if you really will something, then it stops being a dream. Yeah. Yeah. So so if I will, uh, for example, to travel to 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 Argentina, yeah. then it's it's not a dream anymore because I'm actually willing it. I'm actually making yeah, it into make something. It yeah. Make it happen. Okay. Okay. No, it's I was kind just of like a you know, if you can dream it, you can do it. Yes, yes, but you know, stronger, even stronger than yeah, than dreaming. You shouldn't, you shouldn't get to the, you shouldn't get to the end of your life thinking like you're, like you said, you shouldn't get to the end of your life thinking, God, I wish I'd gone to Argentina, or I wish I'd gone, I wish I'd got to Australia. Like all you have to do to make that dream happen is buy a ticket. <laughs> uh, is impossible. it actually in a? Excuse me if I interrupted you. Is it actually inside a song by John Lennon? Did Paul tell us which song? No, we know. We don't. It's not a song. It's one. Of, I mean, John Lennon is has all kinds of quotes. Um, he's a, an oft-quoted man. Yeah, yeah. He had uh, all kinds of, um, you know, because he was one of those like '60s singer, songwriter, philosopher people. Uh, I imagine he has quotes on all kinds of topics. So no, it's not from a song. And why is it relevant? Why is it significant for for Paul? Did Paul tell us? Well, he hasn't the, 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 on that. Yeah. But okay. I just think because nothing that you want to do is impossible. I wish I could write a book. I mean, I can. I'm just stopping myself. I am the obstacle in the way. Okay. You know, I wish I wish me and Giovanni could keep doing the podcast even though we're in different countries oh look actually you can you know it just takes a little bit of technical setup and a little bit of financial investment i, I imagine what imagine is a good um word to use when talking about john lennon and the biggest yeah. i imagine that the quote come that, that quotation from him comes from you know somebody asking him about being a rock star mm, mm. i I dreamed as a young boy of being like Slash from Guns N' Roses. I wanted yeah. to be a famous guitarist. I mean, if I'd applied myself and stuck in a band, that yeah. could have happened. There's nothing special about the boy, John Lennon, but he yeah. becomes this global, part of the global phenomena and then a, a global phenomenon in his own right. More famous than Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Beatles said that they were more. They liked to say to their to the viewers of wherever they went that they were more yeah, I famous. Think they said that when they were going to America because they I think sold so. out. I think, was it they sold out Shea Stadium and nobody was going to churches. Uh, church attendance numbers are dropping off. So yeah, like factually, they were more popular because more people were buying tickets to go to see them than were going to churches for free. But I like the I like the quote. I'd never heard it, and uh, I don't think we should we should take it as meaning. I mean, there is a little bit of a link with what we were talking about before. I don't think we should take it as meaning that any single thing uh, we desire can be possible. But that uh, because we also have a limited talent. Uh, for example, uh, I don't think my talent. My musical talent, I can recognize some tunes that here and there, but my musical talent is really not sufficient to be, uh, for example, a um, um, musical director. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, the, you know, my I just don't think I have that talent. Just like I know I can't be a football player, 
I could be a very basic football player in a very basic small team, but I could never be a, I just don't, I just don't think my body is built in that way. However, there are other things that are, I, I could reach and that I just don't reach because I keep on dreaming about them, as you were saying, mm-hmm. and I don't plan the next step. What, what's the next step? Uh, stop thinking about Argentina. You know, when is the next holiday, feasible holiday where, when I could go to Argentina? Will I have enough money? Uh, w- 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 you know, so yeah, you're, you're, it's, a, it's a good quote. I mean, you, what you, are you saying you, about being a footballer, though? Your body, you know, isn't right. You have to recognize what your dream is early mm. enough to get to have enough time to apply yourself. You know, yeah, like I, I was an easily distracted um, child. So, you know, I wanted to be, I, I wanted, basically, I wanted to be up on stage. But I, when Guns N' Roses came along, it was like, right, I want to be a guitar player like that. But then I met other people who played guitar who were better guitar solos than me. So I thought, right, I'll be a rhythm guitarist, form the band. But then you reach university age and everybody goes to different universities. So the band naturally breaks up. You have a choice. Do you make an effort to try to find new people to do the thing with? Or does it stop? For me, it stopped. I wasn't driven enough. For him, it didn't stop. So he had the drive to do that thing. If you had said when you were young, when not young as in Carl Young, why are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wanted to be a footballer and went to, you know, under 10 training camps and all that sort of thing. You could have conditioned yourself and, and achieved that. That's and true. That's true. Is also, I know, realistically, from an adult point of view, you say, well, yeah. You could have gone to football conditioning camps, and the reality is most of the people that do that never make it into yeah. the, the Premiership or the, the national team. You shouldn't That's give true. Up on the thing, if it's a strong enough dream, you shouldn't give up. Oh, no. It. You might end up being a commentator on a TV channel, or you might yeah. end up working as an A&R man in the music industry, or you might end up being a music journalist. But find the thing that you love and go for Oh, yeah. And you'll oh, yeah. end up in the, the field, the, the general area of it. Oh yeah, I mean also uh, to go back to teaching. I I there was a, I had a long fa- well relatively long phase of my life about five years in which I I was very very into theatre, and I I went to this theatre course in the evening. Uh, it wasn't a proper theatre school like eight hours a day. It was just a an evening course. But I met some talented people there, and then I made my own. I, I, with these, with two friends, we created a theatre group, and it was fantastic. We were able to do some shows uh, in a theatre in Florence, which was quite, quite, a, quite good theatre in Florence. Not a huge, incredible, yeah. amazing theatre, but it was a, got it a a pretty good, a pretty good theatre in Florence. With with, the, and we were we were not an extra. Our show wasn't an extra. It was a part of the season, so it was mm-hmm. really quite amazing. And it took out took hours out of every of day every, hours out of my day for at least a year and a half but anyway i w- then i realized that you know my drive as you said wasn't that it was an amazing experience but that that was it really and yeah. my i was talking to another friend uh from high school that i hadn't seen for a while and she said oh what's going on you know in your life and i said well you know i'm i'm working to be a teacher eventually maybe in the state school etc mm-hmm. and i but i'm also you know a very romantic person so i have this sort of romantic dream about being an actor you know yeah. and she said uh, actually i think that the romantic dream is being a teacher 
Oh, that's well, that's, that's pretty. That's a, that's a pretty good quote. Uh, I mean, she flipped round my assumption that the rebellion, that the uh, you know, I was following the cliche that if you're an artist, if you're doing something artistic, then mm-hmm. that's you know that shows how romantic you are. Mm-hmm. And so, but romantic in the sense of really believing in some value and doing something that you don't earn much. It takes years to yeah. get somewhere. You know, and and she's that an was the, that was quite that was here. quite. She's called Chiara, and I hope she becomes one of our listeners. Uh, yeah. She's um, interested also in philosophy, literature, uh, and that was quite quite an impactful sentence uh, yeah. because it made me realize that if you do something that's deeply meaningful for you, then you know that's much more romantic than. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, swimming uh, uh, with the sharks. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, all, all yeah. the cliche of the in, that, that you're can, supposed to do. The sort of cool things that yeah. are incredibly cool, or you know, oh, you know, have a open up a bar in on the Hawaii's. I mm-hmm. I hate by making cocktails in the heat. <laughs> I, I hate the heat. Why would that ever want? Why should that ever be a dream of mine? I much rather teach in a rainy city, but with with something meaningful to actually do from the morning to the afternoon. Yeah. So there's a lot of fake dreams and a lot of true dreams. And so yeah. it's interesting that, I, I mean, John Lennon, I'm sure, you know, he, he, he was born to become what he was. Uh, and so I, I, I'm totally in favor of, of John Lennon being John Lennon. But I mean, uh, there are lots of other... And obviously it was fun, you know, being an actor and going on stage and all of that. But, you know, I earned a hundred euro a year. I mean, it was, it was, it was just, yeah. I was, I was just doing it as a, as an exciting thing to do. It you had were, absolutely. You were driven to do it and you did it up to the point that you realized that yeah. it wasn't there to keep going. That's, yeah, but it's still good. It's not, it's not something, yeah. it's still that's fine. It's, it's still fun. It's you, a, it's a, it's a dream that you wake up. It's did. a dream that. But that's what you materialized it. You you stopped it being a dream. You made it a real thing. Oh yeah, it. that's and why I'm proud. Went, oh, that's why I, this is not for me. Because because it won't it won't haunt my days. I I know what it actually means yeah. to do a bloody show. You have to do yeah. thousands of well not thousands but fifty rehearsals in the hot, uh, wearing the costumes and blah blah. And it is fun. It's amazing when the crowd is there. They applaud you and all yeah. of that. But yeah. it's just not. It's just not something that's compatible with the way i am as a person mm-hmm. as a job i'm talking about yeah. but then so trying dreams is 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 good i think you yeah, know trying absolutely. trying them out but then discarding the ones that just mm-hmm. don't on the long run they just don't yeah exactly you've got to try you've got yeah. to try them to know whether they're for you or not by just sitting back and saying i wish i could i wish i could you're never going to know Exactly. So maybe, you know, it, what if, you know, I had, yeah. I had, there'd been, you know, literally, you know, people coming and throwing money at me. I was so amazing. I was so good. And I actually had a real, you know, I talked to a real guy and, you know, and uh, said, you know, what's your opinion? And he said, uh, he said, you're interesting as a, you're interesting as an act, you know, it said, but, but you, you know, you have no technical skill. You know, he was very blunt, you know, and, and, he, and he was right, you know, I, cause I hadn't done a proper theater school. So then what do you do then? You start all over again. You do a theater school. You know, I, I was already 26. That, that was okay. That was enough. Yeah. But, you know, you get a real feedback. So I, I know that I wasn't shit, mm-hmm. I, but I wasn't the new Marlon Brando. So that's fine. You know, I've done yeah. that thing and it's it's over. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. But people are... Uh, so that, that quote seemed 
quite sort of a bit like, you know, be yourself. But actually, it was a very deep one. And as Paul also reminds us, John Lennon did also say, I am the walrus. So let's not take everything he said at face value. Indeed. Thank you, Paul, <laughs> for reminding me of my theatre years. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Well, uh, look, um, I think we've done a good return to the world of podcasts. We dealt with your, your words of wisdom from your mum. I'm glad we got some input from listeners already. Hopefully that continues. Um, anything else you want to address? I'm, 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 I'm super pleased that we've gone back to doing this. Yeah. It's another example of a, of a dream when listening to podcasts and thinking, I wonder what it would be like to actually do a podcast, you know, with those thoughts you have, mm -hmm. that kind of rage, that jealous rage. Uh, these people are having fun doing podcasts. I wonder what it'd be like. Well, now, by miracle, because you're so driven and so organized, and I'm much less organized, but I'm, I'm trying to be consistent, uh, we're doing it. So it's another example of something real, that, of something that could just remain a vague dream, and instead, you, you, you make it into something real. Absolutely. Yeah. Not eight hours a day. I know our 20 listeners would like us to do eight hours a day, but sorry, but we can't do that yet. Not unfortunately yeah, not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, uh, Sam Harris. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we, we still have our 20 listeners. So for the moment, thank yeah. you, Bob. Uh, and send us through the social media platforms. Send us your quote, your or whatever, yeah, or aphorism, us. or sentence. Uh, you'll you'll find on Twitter and other other channel other channels, and we'll talk about Bob's uh, quotation or aphorism the next, next time. time we 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 meet. Yep. All right. Thank Gio. you very much. Pass thank on you. my best to your parents and thank your mum for being the catalyst for episode one. And I'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank you bye. very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. And you can contact us by email at spritzpersonality at gmail.com S-P-R-I-T-Z personality at gmail. We are on Twitter at spritzpersonal1 or you can search spritzpersonality and Instagram is spritzpersonality. Spritz